Please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is not really an expository message tonight. I uh, would call it more of a topical message. But it is based on firm scripture that we find here in the, in the gospel of Matthew. Four times in Matthew's gospel we find this phrase from the lips of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And it's a question. Or it is usually in the form of a question, but it's, the words are these. O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. So the question that I would ask you tonight would be, how is your faith? How much faith do you have? How strong is your faith? That's a major subject that we find in the Word of God. It's one of those major themes, the subject of faith. Faith is something that you must have. We're told that we are saved by faith. We were singing about that earlier. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day at the cross. We trusted in Jesus Christ. We came into the family of God. By grace, you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by faith. Then the Bible tells us also that we, we live by faith. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith, said the prophet Habakkuk. And that's repeated like four other times in the scripture. We're also told that we walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We're told very clearly... In in Hebrews chapter 11, that this is something that pleases God. It says there that without faith, it's difficult to please God. Is that what it says? Without faith, it's difficult to please? No, without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. If we want God to be pleased, we must have faith. So we would kind of ask the question, well, what is faith? What is faith all about? Faith is simply, if you want to boil it down to its... To its basic terms, is faith is simply taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. And we often hear, uh, particularly in the ministry of Christ, he, would, he was observant of faith. He noticed when there was faith. He noticed when there wasn't faith. Remember one time he was on his way to another miracle and someone stopped him and said, my servant is at home. It was a centurion. He said, my servant is at home, sick of the palsy, of great affliction. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says, no, no, don't do that. You don't need to come to my home. I understand what authority is all about. He says, all you have to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus, when he heard that, he turned around and he looked at his disciples and he said, I have not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. Great faith, he talked about there for that man who was willing to just know that Jesus could just speak and it would be done. He also talked about no faith. Where is your faith, he would ask. Uh, The Bible tells us that he went into the town of Nazareth where he had been brought up and that they rejected him there. They didn't want to hear him there. And he said he's not a welcome in his own hometown. And it says that he marveled at their what? at their unbelief. And he was unable to do any mighty works there because they were so unbelieving. They didn't have any faith. But then there are some uh, descriptions of 
of little faith. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. It's not that these individuals, these disciples, didn't have any faith. It was that their faith was being attacked, or there was something causing it not to be effective. The wonderful thing about faith is that you don't need a lot of it, really. Jesus said, all you need is just the faith of, as a grain of mustard seed, just the smallest of all seeds. Yet, yet that's all you need. And you could say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. It's not the amount of faith that you have so much as it is the object of your faith. Our faith is in the almighty God and we trust him. So it's not that we need to have a lot of faith, but we need to have uh, faith in a great God. And that's what great faith is. So in each of these situations, we're going to look at four different episodes in the Gospel of Matthew tonight and look at these, what we would call the enemies of faith that need to be confronted and overcome. So if we would come up with a title of the message tonight, I think we could call it Overcoming the Enemies of Faith. So let's begin tonight in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. This is in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought... For your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought? For raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the gift of faith. And Lord, the fact that you honor faith and that you are a prayer hearing and prayer answering God and a God who cares and a God who is pleased with faith. And Lord, we would pray tonight as did the disciples of old. Lord, increase our faith. Help us to be stronger in our dependence upon you. And I pray, Lord, you'd use your word tonight to encourage us and strengthen us, that we might indeed walk by faith and live by faith and be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. number of enemies that need to be confronted, and as we Consider this passage here. We see that there's an enemy that's mentioned several times through this passage. And it could be described as the enemy of worry. Worry. There when Jesus mentions here several times, take no thought for your life. 
Take no thought for raiment, for clothing. Uh, Take no thought about these, what we would call the, the basic necessities of life, food, clothing, a place to live. All of these things that we seem to to take great anxiety in. How is all this going to be taken care of for us? We we worry about these things, don't we, oftentimes. Brother Tangerman was talking about the goats and the chickens this morning. Well, we can can talk about the, the birds and the grass tonight. As we think about, as you look about, just take a look and see how God takes care of these little things things flowers of the field they're arrayed he said Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed even like one of these but here here we find that Jesus takes care he knows about all of these things and he cares for his own but when we worry and when we fret fret and when we stress over these things what are we saying we're saying in essence God's not able to take care of of my needs God's not able but can we trust God can we trust God for for everything you know we've trusted him for our eternity we've trusted that Jesus Christ as our savior to take care of our sins and for for heaven and for eternity can we not trust him for just the basic things of life love that verse over in Romans chapter 8 where the Bible says he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He provides for his own. Say, well, you know, have you been to, to Walmart lately? Or have you been to the grocery store? <laughs> have you been to the gas pump lately? You know, uh, there seems to be concern for what's going to happen and how high things can go. You've been to Home Depot lately? <laughs> have you looked at the price of lumber and all this kind of thing? It's so easy for us to become stressed and worried about what's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we just kind of throw all, everything to the side and say, well, everything's going to be all right. We need to do our part. Certainly, we ought to be involved in, uh, in voting, make sure that we do what we can to get the leadership that we need in this country. We need to be praying for God's hand to work. But when it comes down to it, when, it, when we so often become self-sufficient, and we think, hey, I can make it on my own. I can do all of this. I can make it all happen. Sometimes God has to bring us to the place where we realize, hey, we need God. We need to depend upon him. And I think that's what he's trying to teach us here in this passage. What should we be worried about? What is it for us to worry? What, what good does worry do? You know, have, has anybody ever really accomplished anything by worrying? <laughs> you know, worry warts. I used to be called a worrywart. My, my family used to make fun of me because I was, they called me the worrier of the family. They said, you know, Tim's always worrying about this. And what, do we have a spare tire? Do we have enough gas in the car? All these things. Tim's always worried about something. But we don't have to worry when it comes to our lives. God will take care of us. We can trust him for that. So what should we do? He's saying for us, instead of worrying about all these things that God already knows that we have need of, the cure for worry is what? Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Cure for worry. Submit to Jesus Christ. Submit to the Lord. Seek him first and watch him supply your needs. 
There's another verse that we could point out about how the cure for worry in, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. We're told they're very careful and care, very specifically, be careful for nothing. That's actually the same word, the same root as we find here is take no thought. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You need some protection from worry? Learn to get a hold of God in prayer. Just take your burden to the Lord, as the songwriter says, and what? Leave it there. Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he what? He careth for you. We get wrapped up in the cares and the, and the worries of this life, and so often we just miss many of the blessings. So the first enemy of faith would be worry, that we need to just get rid of it. Stop worrying. Instead, trust God for all that we need. Second enemy. Let's look over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We begin reading there in this passage in verse 23. Matthew 8, 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, Save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Second enemy of faith that we find here in this passage is fear. Fear. And Jesus puts his finger right on the problem. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Now this was a, a, a pretty desperate situation that the disciples found themselves in on this boat out here on the Sea of Galilee. And it's very common for these storms to erupt over the Sea of Galilee, given the topography of the land. There's Mount Hermon in the north of over 9,000 feet of elevation. The Sea of Galilee was about 700 feet below sea level. And it caused, because of the difference in the temperatures, these winds would gather and would come down through the valley. And storms would erupt in this, in this, uh, in this Sea of Galilee very often. And we find a couple of occasions. In fact, we're going to look at another one in a little bit. But... Here's, here's the disciples who were experienced. I mean, they knew how to, how to do these boats, particularly Peter and Andrew, these fishermen. They, they were familiar with all of this. But this seemed to be an unusual storm. And it, uh, it, it, it was, they were, Mark tells us they were in jeopardy. They were like, we're going to die here. And so Jesus, and this is a, a beautiful picture, not only of his humanity there as he's tired and he's sleeping there in the boat, but also of his great power as he calms the storm later. But here they are, and they're doing their best to, to get this under control. And finally they go, Lord, don't you, and Mark tells us, carest thou not that we perish? And it's, it's like this urgency that they come. And Jesus 
First, he says to them, why are you fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Now, when we first look at this, we think, shouldn't there be a, uh, have been reason for fear? No, not when you think about this. Think, number one, where were they going? Where was their boat going? Well, we're told, Jesus said back in the last chapter, uh, verse 18 of, of or earlier in the chapter, now when Jesus, verse 18 of chapter 8, now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. One of the other synoptic gospels says, he, he, he said, let us go to the other side. Jesus had already said, let's go to the other side. They were going to get to the other side, <laughs> whether there was a storm or not. So they could have taken the word of Christ as being firm. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. But the second question would be, not only where's your boat going, but who's in the boat with you? Well, it was Jesus. Jesus was already there in the boat with them. Yes, he was asleep, but he was there. He was there. So what's the problem here? Problem is that they were fearful and that they were afraid because they already knew the power of the Son of God. Even though he was asleep, his presence was there. And I think what they should have done is that when those waves started getting up, you know, maybe they were enjoying that ride for a while. You know, hey, this is pretty cool. Look at all these waves here. That's almost like the ocean. <laughs> we're out here in this little boat. And, but then it kind of got worse. And I think maybe they could have said to the Lord, Lord, uh, time to wake up. We, we, we got a storm here. Could you, could, you, could you take care of that for us? But instead, they wait until the end, and they become so fearful that they go and they wake up, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus immediately perceives that their faith has been, is, is, is weak. It's, it's, they're letting fear overcome them. That's what's happened. And that's not a good thing. See, remember we used to sing a little song, with Christ in the vessel, you can what? You can smile at the storm. <laughs> you can smile at the storm. With Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. <laughs> I used to like to sing that little song, but it's true. In your life, you have the promise of the presence of God. You have the promise. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's one of those great verses there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Look over there with me, if you would, just for a moment. That's a, that's a good verse for us to think about. It kind of covers the first two enemies here all together in this one, in this one package. Hebrews 13 and verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation... Be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He said he would never leave us. He would never leave us or forsake us. This is actually a quotation from Joshua. From Joshua, when Joshua was ready to take over the reins after Moses had died. Remember that passage there back in Joshua chapter 1? God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua, it's your turn. It's your turn to take up the reins. Can you imagine being in Joshua's shoes, having to take over for this great man, Moses, who had led the children of Israel thus far, and now it's your turn? 
Can you imagine? But God said to Joshua very carefully, very clearly, he said to him, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The presence of the Lord is always the remedy for fear. You see, when we have the presence of the Lord, there is no need for fear. Psalm 23, all that great psalm. I'm, I'm anxious for when pastor's going to get to Psalm 23. I'm, I've been every Sunday, I think he's going to preach on Psalm 23. Man, come on, Psalm 23, come. You know? But in the middle of that psalm, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil or calamity, for thou art with me. See? Notice the, notice the, 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 uh, the walking there. When you get into a fearful situation, what do you want to do? You want to run. You want to get away from there. But yet we can walk even in that valley of the shadow because we know what? That he is with us. And he'll never, ever forsake us. We have the presence of the Lord. That's one of the great promises that you can claim. That verse there in Hebrews 13, there's something very interesting about that verse. There's five negatives in that verse. Five negatives. When you, when you think of a negative, we in English, as we speak in the English language, we think of a, like a double negative makes a positive. Like you, say, like you might go out to your car and get ready to go home, and you might say, I don't have no gas. Well, what you would be saying in actuality would be, I have gas because I don't have no gas, so I have gas. So you see how that negates it? But in the Greek language, when you want to strengthen something, you add negatives to it. In Hebrews 13.5, where it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's actually five negatives in that verse. The literal, if you would take the, the Greek words and go across, here's how you would, you, you would read it. Never not you will I leave, nor never not you will I forsake. Isn't that wonderful? No, I will never leave you. Never. We have the presence of God with us at all times. You can trust that. You can take that to the bank. We have his presence. And his presence takes away fear when we realize it. One experience that I, I, can't, I can't forget this experience because it is so vivid in my mind. Even today, I was about six years old. And we went to an amusement park, Hershey Park, up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. How many of you have been to Hershey Park? Right. This was back a long time ago. They had this attraction. I don't know why they called it an attraction, but it was called... Uh, the fun house. Have any of you ever been in the fun house? Anybody at all? Yeah. Um, well, there was this clown that was up in the window laughing and just like, hey, everybody come into the fun house. Well, we went into the fun house. And I don't think it was fun at all. <laughs> I didn't see anything fun about it, but particularly one part of it. But there were like floors, you know, that were moving and there were mirrors that were, you know, going every which way and making you distorted and Things hanging down, rubbing you. But the worst part of that was the dark room. There was a room where you walked in. I mean, it was pitch black. The only thing I remember is, is being scared out of my wits. And I began to scream. I mean, I was screaming. And my dad heard me screaming, and he got a hold of my hand, and he said, Tim, I've got you. That's all it took. I was fine the rest of the way through that fun, through that dark room and that fun house. But I remember at the end of it, I went up and I said, I don't see anything fun about that fun house. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. The presence, 
the presence of the Lord, all so much greater. We have him always with us. So we need to defeat that enemy of fear by recognizing that we have the presence of the Lord. Let's go over to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. And here we find a third enemy that needs to be confronted and overcome. And that's the enemy of doubt. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Very similar situation to what we saw back there just a chapter ago. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. There again, the the presence of the Lord takes away the fear. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Don't you love this story? Don't you love this story? This is, this is a little bit different than the other one in the fact that the first one took place during the daytime and Jesus was with them in the boat. This one had, took place at night and Jesus was not with them. He was away from them. This is right after that, the feeding of the, the 5,000 where Jesus, when, they, when he perceived that they wanted to make him a king, he would depart into a mountainous area there and, and to spend time with the Heavenly Father. He was praying to his heavenly father, and he sent the, the disciples on. And uh, another gospel writer tells us that Jesus saw them. He could, from his vantage point there on the mountain, he could see them out there rowing and that they were having struggle. So he goes to them, just walking on the water. The Son of God had power over nature like that. He was, he was not bound by the law. He, he could just walk out on the water. Just amazing. And there he goes, out walking on the water. Here's the disciples. They've been rowing for quite a while, and they hadn't got very far. But they're looking out there, and they're, they're seeing something in the back, out in the distance. What is this? Who, is, that a, is that a person? They're beginning to wonder if they're going to get wiped out because sometimes the you know, appearance of a ghost would kind of be a, a, a sort of a, a wake-up call. I mean, you're about to get, get you know, you come join us. But they're all afraid, and they're all excited, and they, and they are fearful. But then Jesus speaks, of course, says, Be of good cheer, it's I. And here's Peter, impetuous Peter, presumptuous Peter, saying, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. But isn't this a big request here? Jesus said, doesn't uh, seem to be bothered by it. He says, okay, come, come. 
Simple word. You got to give it to Peter. He waited for Jesus to invite him. He didn't jump over immediately. He waited for Jesus to invite him. But he gets down out of the boat and he begins to just walk on the water. Now, there are people who look at this passage, liberals, unbelievers, who will say, oh, this was just on a sandbar. You know, that Peter was walking on the sandbar. And, you know, this isn't really a miracle. They try to explain away. No, this is, this is reality here. This is God's word. This is ultimate truth. This is inerrant scripture. We know that this is true. This actually happened. Jesus permitted Peter to have these powers as he was looking at Jesus and inviting and, 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 and uh, obedient to the call of Jesus to come. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on the water to go to Jesus. But then what happened? He started looking around. Maybe he started being a little bit overconfident. Maybe thinking, hey, this is great. Look what I'm doing. Oh, but look at that wave over there. Ooh. And then all of a sudden, chunk, there he goes. He almost made it the whole way. But something happened. He took his eyes off of Jesus and got him on things around him, the dangers around. And instead of his faith being strong and consistent, he wavered. And that's what that word doubt there means. Wherefore didst thou doubt? It's a wavering of the faith. It's, a, it, it's not that the faith is not there, but it's a kind of a cessation of it. It stops. It, it's interrupted. And that's how, it, how fragile it is in our lives. We have to be careful. We might be doing well, but then all of a sudden we, 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 we get in a place and we just kind of give up. Or we, we get our eyes off of Jesus. Doubt is something that we have to deal with. Many examples we find in the scriptures of those who started well, but then ended in disaster. Pastor's been preaching to us about many of the kings that were like that. Started out well, but ended up blowing it. We need to be careful that we don't allow doubt and unbelief in our life to cause us to not finish well. Let's defeat that enemy of doubt. And then one more over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 5. And when Jesus, and when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. What's going on here? This is, this is almost humorous in a sense. In fact, if you would look over to Mark, the gospel chapter 8, it's, it, it's a little more humorous in, this, uh, in, in Mark's account. Because Jesus actually asks them and makes them answer these questions here and um, in beginning there in verse 13 and and here it tells us that they just had one loaf of bread 
It says, verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. Now we think of a loaf of bread as being a pretty, pretty good sized thing. This was just a small little loaf. Probably one of the disciples had it in his pocket or something. You know, but it wouldn't have been enough for all of them. But anyway, they're, they're, they're lacking bread. They're going across the sea, but they forgot to take food with them. Right? And so uh, this is when Jesus said, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have not no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember? Here's the thing. There's the enemy, by the way. Forgetfulness. They don't remember. They forgot. When I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, 12. <laughs> and when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? They had forgotten. Just right before this, Jesus had fed the 4,000 there, and seven large, I mean, these aren't just the small baskets, these are the large baskets that you can put a man in. That's the kind of baskets these were. There was a huge amount of food that Jesus had miraculously provided. They had a loaf. Would that not have been enough? Could not Jesus have met the need for it? Certainly. But here they are worried about having enough food when Jesus is with them and he's able to provide for their needs. He's able to take care of them. And when he says, Beware of the leaven of Herod, the leaven of the Pharisees. They thought he was talking about bread. Don't get your bread from them. That might be bad bread. That's what they were thinking. But all Jesus was talking about was their doctrine. But yet they forgot already the provision of God and his power to, to take care of them. Oh, how often we read of the warnings in Scripture. Beware. Beware lest thou forget. Back in Deuteronomy, children of Israel were warned. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget. But what did they do? They forgot. They forgot. And we're hard on them. As we were, you know, we were in our uh, Old Testament survey class, we were talking about how, how bad the children of Israel were, how they always forgot what God had done for them and were always complaining and griping about things that came up in their lives. And, and so we had to stop and say, yeah, but that's just like us, isn't it? Aren't we like that? Yeah. We tend to point the finger at these who, were, who forgot. Disciples, how can they forget? Jesus just did the, the miracle. But yet, how often have we forgotten how good God has been to us? He's taking care of us. He'll take care of us. We can trust him. We remember what he's done. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We were reminded this morning. We can look and, and, and remind ourselves again of how good God has been to us. And we trust in him and he rewards our faith. So as Jesus looks, and he could look deep into the heart and tell. He looked into the hearts of his disciples and he knew they were, they were needing some help. They were little of faith. Their faith needed to be strengthened. So that would kind of be a good question for us tonight. Again, where is your faith? How, how is your faith? If you were to stand in the, in the balance and, and, and Jesus would, would look at your heart tonight, what would he say about your faith? Would he be able to say, as, that, as he did of that centurion, 
great is, your, is the faith. I haven't seen such great faith. Or would he say, There's, where is your faith? Or would he, be, would he have to say, oh, ye of little faith. I tell you what, I'm rebuked by these things. I'm rebuked by these words of Jesus because so often I find myself in that same situation. Letting those enemies overcome. But thank God there's a solution to each one of these. We can look to God. We can not worry. We can pray. Why worry when you can pray? Remember that song? But we turned around the other way, don't we? Why pray when you can worry? (laughs) Recognizing that he's always with you. You're never, ever alone. He's with you all the time. Keep looking to him. Don't doubt. Don't waver. And remember his wonderful works in your life. And don't forget them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for your word, for the encouragement of it. Lord, I pray that we might learn the lessons that the disciples were encouraged about. And Lord, we are rebuked when we recognize our faith often is small. And we are of little faith because we let these enemies overcome us. We become worried about situations. We become fearful of things that happen. We doubt at times and turn away from you. And we forget your wonderful blessings. Lord, remind us again tonight how much we need you. Help us not to be self-sufficient, but Lord, to be totally dependent upon you and allow you to work. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just in the quietness of this moment. Perhaps the Lord has spoken to your heart about one or more of these areas. Maybe you'd have to say, you know, I, I think the Lord would have to rebuke me for, for a lack of faith. Just in the quietness of this moment, while we're bowed together, we're not going to have a come forward type invitation tonight, but maybe just to pray right there where you are and ask God to work in your life, to build your faith, to strengthen you, to overcome these enemies. We'll have just a moment of quiet prayer and then we'll close. Thank you and praise you for who you are, for your power. And yet, Lord, you delight in us and delight in our faith. I pray, Lord, that we might live by faith, walk by faith, and trust you, and thereby, Lord, be pleasing in your sight. Bless us, Lord, now as we close the service. I pray as we sing this closing hymn, Lord, that we might be encouraged and strengthened, Lord, to trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Kevin's going to come and lead us in song, Trusting Jesus. Simply trusting every day. That's all we need to do. Yes, sir. Let's turn our hymnals, if you would please, to 149. Let's sing all verses. Simply trusting Jesus every day. Simply trusting every day, trusting through the stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus that is all, trusting as the moments fly, trusting as
Doth his spirit shine.